Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Grace Notes podcast, companion to the Grace Notes nonprofit organization. Grace Notes is dedicated to bringing live music to cancer centers and nursing homes as a form of therapy to reduce anxiety and loneliness. The Grace Notes podcast will not focus solely on music, but also on its intersection with cognitive science and culture. For today's episode, I'm so beyond excited to be here with Dr. Suzanne Hanser. Dr. Hanser is founding chair emerita in the music therapy department at Berkeley College of Music. She's also the president of the International Association for Music and Medicine and the past president of both the World's Federation of Music Therapy and the National Association for Music Therapy. Dr. Hanser, I'm so looking forward to hearing all about your journey with music and music therapy. And I think that a great place to start is just for you to talk a little bit about some of your earliest musical experiences. Um, when did you first start noticing the healing power of music in your own life? Well, goodness, first of all, uh, I really want to um, to acknowledge uh, what a pleasure it is and honor for me to be one of your first uh, podcasts. And I uh, I hope that that my life, <laughs> when, as well as my career, will be of interest to your oh, listeners. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess we're going to start with uh, the beginning, the, the yeah. earliest memories. And, um, you know, I actually tend to avoid the word healing mm. because it promises so much. So um, I'm not sure when when uh, healing was introduced into my vocabulary, right. but but I can tell you the impact of music uh, on my life. And um, and my earliest memory is actually going to my cousin's home, and they had a grand piano. I was probably about three or four years old, and I had to reach up to the keys, and I I just loved just tinkling those keys and trying to figure out a little melody or something. And I thought this was the grandest thing. And as a little child, this huge uh, black ebony piano. Um, so I, I just had to explore what right. the piano was and what I could do with it. And I was actually very ill as a child. Um, and during one hospital visit, when I had a rather major surgery, I remember coming home from the hospital and my parents asked me what I would like. They wanted to buy me a present. They wanted to cheer me up. And, you know, they thought that I might say a game or a gadol or, or something that they could easily just bring home. Right. And I said, I want a piano. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow, uh, not immediately, but soon after there appeared that piano. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's amazing. So did you start, were you self-taught originally or did you start taking lessons or how did you progress with the piano? Well, um, my parents recognized that I definitely needed training <laughs> because just flittering around the keys wasn't uh, wasn't very fulfilling, right. uh, either for them listening or for me experimenting. <laughs> so um, yes, so they did um, actually bring a, a piano teacher to our home. The piano was in my bedroom. That was the only place it would it would fit um, because I was I was bedridden for a while after uh, this particular hospitalization, 
And so um, the piano was right there with me. It was my companion. I was quite isolated. I couldn't go to school. And the piano was my friend. The piano mm -hmm. helped me um, play out my emotions mm -hmm. and just sort of communicate what I wanted to communicate. And it could create something quite beautiful if I practiced. <laughs> and so um, it, it became just so much a part of my identity and my, my way of expressing who I was and what I wanted, what I needed, and how I wanted to uh, interact with the world. Wow. It was my messenger, really. Wow. That's amazing. So it sounds like music was a huge part of your life, life really early on. I'm wondering at what point did you decide that you wanted it to continue to be such a big part of your life? Because so many people, you know, play piano when they're young and it kind of fizzles out and that definitely did not happen for you. So I'm wondering yeah, how did you make the decision that you wanted music to be the focus of not just, not just for pleasure, but also your, your professional career. Well, as you might imagine, it was uh, I had an intimate relationship, certainly with the piano uh, and with music. My parents were not musically trained, but my mother had a lovely voice and she would play records all the time. And so uh, music really infused my development. And, um, and uh, I was, again, very privileged, not only just to have piano lessons, but uh, I went to Juilliard Preparatory Division. For many, many years, starting, I think, when I was six years old, uh, every Saturday, and I studied um, theory and harmony and ear training, and I studied violin and voice and flute and dance and um, all, all kinds of, of amazing uh, musical uh, challenges. Um, and uh, so it was so much a part of me that when I had to decide where I wanted to go to college. I was interested in many different subjects, mm -hmm. but I felt like, how could I possibly leave my piano behind? Of course. How could I get along without music? And I asked my, um, my piano teacher about this field called music therapy which was not very well known at the time, less well known uh, than now, uh, because it still isn't really well known. Right, but, for sure. um, you can imagine many, many decades ago now, um, she was ill-informed. She said, oh yeah, I think I've heard of music therapy, but you wouldn't be interested in it. It's very depressing. Mm. <laughs> wow. So I went, I actually went off to Boston University because uh, I didn't want to go to a music conservatory. There were many things I wanted to learn. And uh, that was my my number one choice for a liberal arts college that had a very fine music uh, department. Yeah. And, um, and yet when I went there by Christmas vacation, I realized that I was locking myself in a practice room every day mm -hmm. and there was a world outside and there were things going on in the world wow. that I really needed to be more a part of. Mm -hmm. And I felt very selfish. I was every day making myself a better pianist mm -hmm. and that just wasn't enough. 
So I thought, you know, I have to look into this music therapy. And although I loved Boston University and I, I did very well, I played on GBH radio oh, wow. time and, and um, I was, you know, accompanying a lot of the older students. I had a wonderful time and I loved Boston. And sadly, I transferred um, because there was nowhere to study music therapy in New England. And um, I, I decided that, that this sounded like a field for me. Yeah. Wow. So what did the, I, you touched on this a little bit, obviously the, oh, oh, there we go. It was frozen for a second. We're back. Um, I know you touched on this a little bit, but clearly the music music therapy field was much less developed when you were studying it originally versus what it is now. So I was wondering if you could describe a little bit more, what, um, what are the most notable differences between when you were studying music therapy and what that might look like for someone who's studying music therapy right now? Well, the field has developed tremendously and really followed the trajectory of, uh, of healthcare. Mm-hmm. So that when I studied music therapy, music therapy was practiced in large state institutions mm-hmm. where people who had mental illness and people who um, had severe developmental delays were institutionalized. And um, thank goodness uh, those institutions do not exist. We now have more community care. We have more opportunities for people who are different than the mainstream to be included. Mm -hmm. You know, this was before the PL 94142 that... enabled every child, no matter what their abilities or disabilities, uh, a public education. This was well before a community mental health. Um, So along with the development of education and health, uh, certainly in the United States, came the development of music therapy practices. Because music therapy as a field started out when uh, victims of World War I who were shell-shocked, you would call that post-traumatic stress right now. And they they were not themselves. Mm -hmm. They could not communicate. They could not um, function back in their homes. And so music therapists well, actually, at the time, musicians went into hospitals where many of these veterans um, were were living. And suddenly they came alive and they started to sing and they started to be able to talk about what they were experiencing. And that's really how the field began with this, this observation that music therapy could bring people out of out of their shells. That's and amazing. out out beyond their their um, the, the various disabilities and and illnesses that they had, and into a more constructive, positive approach to building on their strengths, uh, giving them communication and expression tools like I had as a child. Yeah, and using music. Um, now more as a a nonverbal type of psychotherapy right music speaks so directly to our emotions Uh, we can really unpack those emotions by 
expressing uh, what's going on in the music mm-hmm. that we choose to hear and in the music that we improvise and create and the music that we that we play, um, the instruments that we play, using all of these as a mechanism for understanding. So the field um, now um, is really becoming integrated into um, new evolutions in healthcare, like integrative medicine and health. And finally, Western medicine is beginning to see the the advantage and the outcomes of things like yoga, Mm -hmm. meditation, uh, even um, various practices um, in Chinese traditional medicine, the use of of herbs and supplements. Um, Non-traditional approaches are now being integrated into healthcare programs. And music therapy has been one of those non-traditional approaches that has been shown to be effective in many different settings for many different clinical goals. That's amazing. Yeah, I think it's really, it definitely rings true when you're talking about how so many so many non-Western practices are becoming more, more mainstream. And it was making me think of um, when I took your course at Berkeley, I remember I still use so many. I remember one of the techniques that we went over was the mood ma- the mood matching um, technique, which isn't you know necessarily a non-Western technique, but I remember there are so many techniques like that, like the mood matching technique and the mm-hmm. um, and mantra repetition. I think all of that. So it's so interesting that that's becoming more more mainstream as as the field of music therapy has also become more mainstream. Um, when you're talking about integrative care, I was wondering if we could take a, a leap forward a little bit in your in your career from your education. Yes. Um, to when I know you established the music therapy programs at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. So I'm wondering, that's, that sounds like such a, such a huge undertaking and such a meaningful process too. I was wondering what the process of founding a music therapy department at a hospital like that mm. was like. Yes, well, um, again, I had a, a great privilege to be uh, in the Boston area and I came here, I came here to start the music therapy program at Berkeley. And um, I, I came here be, because not only the reputation of Berkeley as a fine uh, training ground for musicians, yeah. but also because the, um, the medical centers and educational institutions I knew could be really great partners and I came here having completed a postdoc in geriatric psychiatry. So I had um, credentials beyond being a board-certified music therapist. Um, and I think as a result of some of those credentials, uh, I was asked to do grand rounds in various medical centers and do some in-services, which I was very happy to to do to introduce music therapy to some of the finest hospitals, clinics, schools uh, anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, as a result, um, I got to know people who were um, developing programs, including um, the founders of the Leonard Zakem Center for Integrated Therapies right. at Dana-Farber. And when I heard that Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, one of the foremost cancer centers in the world, uh, was open 
to creating an integrative uh, health care set of services, mm -hmm. I was determined that music therapy would be one of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, I was fortunate that I had a sabbatical year um, at Berkeley, which meant I had one semester where I could um, be freed of my administrative and teaching responsibilities. And I jumped into Dana-Farber and I started a program, demonstrated uh, its outcomes and educated people about what it was, what it looked like and what it could do. And again, I was in a very fortunate position. I didn't need to have an income. Mm -hmm. So I did this as a volunteer with the expectation that if the um, leadership of Dana-Farber liked what they saw, they would hire a music therapist. Mm -hmm. And they did just that. Right. They hired um, a music therapist in the Jimmy Fund Clinic, and they hired a music therapist in the Zagum Center. And um, that program is, is still thriving. Mm 